0: I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every
1: day. Welcome back, Al' Pellet fans. My name is Becky Haddad. I'm here with Mike Ritalik and Brian Myers, and we are really excited today to be joined by Kirby Schmidt at Oregon State University. Before we get started with the conversation today, we do want to offer a trigger warning. We are talking about when teaching hurts, and so some of this conversation might be a little bit unsettling, difficult to hear, difficult to talk about and engage in, and so as you think about engaging in this today, know you can always come back to this episode. You do not have to engage in them in order or engage in it today. We just encourage you to join this conversation from a place where you feel ready for that type of conversation. And so with that, Kirby, take it away. Introduce yourself for us today.
2: Hey, good morning. Yeah, uh, my name is Kirby Schmidt and I'm excited to join you. I'm originally from Minnesota, if you can't tell from my accent a little bit. <laughs> Um, I was a high school ag teacher there for five years, and now I'm currently out on the West Coast at Oregon State University as a grad student.
1: We steal it so every so often. My long O's and my E-sounding A's, right, Kirby?
2: Yeah, we'll maybe, yeah, we will probably draw it out of each other a little bit more throughout this.
1: A little bit. So before we um, get too focused on the accent that we'll be hearing as we go through, talk to us a little bit about what got you into this topic. We're talking about when teaching hurts. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. What, what got us here today as far as being ready to have this conversation?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking and, and I'm drawing back um, to, uh, I was in my second year of teaching and I remember we, we had just started the school year and it was a couple of weeks and, and I found myself so restless and unable to sleep and just like I, I was I was anxious, I was on edge and I kept thinking like, oh, like it's the beginning of the school jitters, like that's going on, I'm just kinda, that. that's what's happening to me. But I started visiting with my brother and talking about things and he said like, hey, but like, are there things happening at school like outside of what you're teaching? And I said, yeah, and he's like, tell me about it. And what I failed to recognize was as what can happen after summer break or Christmas break, that students spend a lot of time away, potentially from caring adults like at a school, that things get noticed for the first time. And I had forgotten that I just had completed a number of mandated reports, that I saw the evidence of students being neglected, being treated as ashtrays over the summer, of uh, students um, being really on edge and jumping um, just at the slightest things that I would do, and and I did I, that that they were afraid of seeing another man um, around them as a physical presence, and students staying and spending more time after school, and me asking like, "Hey, what's going on?" and them saying, "Like, it's not good. I don't want to go home. I I shouldn't be home." And all of these things, and I think. I'm not alone in this. I think we may have our own experiences or connections with students where maybe there are chapter officers or a student that's super quiet in our classrooms, but we notice things and they may disclose things to us that are unsettling and, and hurtful. And as we build relationships and we love sharing those things with our students, the, the, the academic achievements and the, the things that they do that brighten our day, we realize also that um, there are things that they can share with us that are hurtful. And so that's really what brings me here today is this idea that what I was experiencing is not something that I experienced on my own. It's something that is a phenomenon that's a result of learning about someone else's trauma or adverse experiences. It's called secondary traumatic stress. And so, um, I wanted to, I guess that's why we're here as I'm here, is I wanted to understand like more, like how does this impact teachers? What does it do? And, um, Yeah, I'd be happy to unpack a little bit more if you're curious to some questions.
3: Yeah, thanks for bringing this topic to us, Kirby. I think it's a highly important topic and a topic that we probably don't spend enough time on, uh, particularly as ag ag educators. Um, I think we pride ourselves on building very close relationships uh, with our students uh, because of the amount of time that we spend together and and how we uh, work within our course classrooms. So, um, so I think, I think it's a highly important topic and I think you're going to help build a, a little bit of awareness of what this means when we talk about traumatic, um, situations and what's that, what's that, how does that manifest itself in, in teachers and what should we be looking for both in helping one another as, but also looking at ourselves internally.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you mention invest, um, I think money and, And I don't necessarily mean like, let's talk about money, but I'm thinking about costs. And so for, there's this idea of the amount of caring that we put in, that there's a cost associated with it. Right. And um, so, and and sometimes this is, this cost of caring is called compassion fatigue. And so, um, you know, these things can weigh on us. And so it's important, first off, that we just recognize that like trauma is not a new thing. Bad things happening in our society are it's not like it just like suddenly happened with the COVID-19 pandemic. It just amplified these things for us and for our students. But being trauma-informed is a new thing. And that is something that we can actually be more active and participate in. And that's what's what I really want to kind of encourage some of us is maybe those that are listening, your schools, maybe you enact what's called trauma-informed practices, trauma, trauma-sensitive teaching, trauma-informed um pedagogies. But if you're not familiar, um, there's uh, a couple simple tenets. They, they all start with the letter R. Um, so the first thing is to be able to realize. First off, we just realize the fact that, as I've said before, trauma is something that happens. It's actually uh, quite common that someone you know has experienced something that has been very unsettling, um, whether that might be physical, mental, sexual abuse, um, some type of household dynamic, um, also things that can be traumatic experiences or beyond that, that could be, um, you know, surviving a natural disaster, um, being in the situation of a, a school shooting and surviving that um, community spread uh, wide violence. So first off, we just got to realize that there are bad things that happen. Then also, what does that do? It impacts learning. Um, the It's it's pretty simple. Stressed brains can't learn. And there's there's a blockage that's going on. And I would also say that potentially stressed teachers can't teach as well. And so we, we need to recognize that as much as trauma and, and adversity is impacting our students, it can be impacting us too. So first, we got to just realize that. Secondly, recognize what are the signs of it. Um, so recognizing like students that might be more anxious on edge, um, it can be highly reactive and it can be highly reserved. You might see this as like a fight or flight response. Um, so noticing behaviors, behavior is uh, ultimate way of communicating. Then another aspect of trauma informed pedagogy is then response. What do we do now that we see what's happening? What are the practices as teachers? I'll get into that a little bit more. And then lastly, is resisting re traumatization. And I don't have as much literature on that or, or background, but it's really then thinking about what can we do to make sure that we don't recreate traumatic experiences again in our classrooms or, or in, in the environments with people. So I think that extends to students and it extends back to us as teachers is we got to first just realize what's going on and we got to be able to recognize it in our students and recognize it within ourselves.
1: We've talked some about that realizing and that recognizing. I think I, I could almost hear the heads nodding with the the response piece. You know, we're, we're ag teachers. We want to know, what do we, what do we do? So Kirby, can you talk a little bit about that, that response piece? Yeah,
2: there's, um, I, I, in some ways I think it, it can be exhaustive of the number of things and exhaustive, but like in a good way, right? Like that there's a lot of different things that we can do. And then it, it doesn't have to feel like um, uh, an incredible mountain of something that's impossible. It can be in the smallest, sweetest ways. Um, and so uh, one thing that, that I, I highly encourage everyone is thinking about having a consistent, predictable routine in our classrooms. Yes, that's a trauma informed practice and I bet many of us are already doing it. You just didn't realize it. That amid a life outside of school that might be uncertain, unstable, that we provide that. And I think, you know, I was just visiting with another educator the other the other day and they said, "Well, I I school was my safe place. That's where things were stable." It's like, yeah, because we had teachers then, we just weren't calling it that. We might have just called it as like we just have routines. Um, well, having a consistent predictable routine. so maybe that's what we do at the first five minutes of our class with our students and that or having uh, things posted with schedules. like yes, that matters. Students, if they know what's going to be happening, we can help them continue to um, be in a state where there is more calm and more readiness to engage of what's going to happen because um, otherwise we can potentially spark a little bit of reactivity um, or shutdown amongst the brain um, because it's like what I, it's not anticipating things. It can go potentially into defensive mode. Um, Another thing is to give students control. I I think it's so powerful because again, in a world where students may not have stability, they also may not have control over that. And so if there's things that we can do where we share power in our classrooms, like Starting out with how we create policies and different norms within our classroom, letting, letting students have control or the way that we dish out responsibilities and, and empowering students. Um, we have expectations for our students, give them and empower them to create expectations too for the learning environment. Um, and two other things that I, I guess I, I just, I thrive on is pouncing, pouncing on the good, oh my goodness. There is so much good within our students and, and it can be tempting to think about what's missing, but a trauma-informed approach does not say what's wrong with this student. The trauma-informed says what has happened to the student or, or not what's lacking with the student, but what is good? What is right about them? We, we flex some positive psychology on them. So when we notice things that are good and not good because, oh, you did the assignment because you did this for me, now I'm going to let you know you are good. No, unconditional positive regard for our students and letting them know that we notice the inner wealth that they possess. And when students do something, assume that they are coming from a good place, that there are positive intentions behind it. And maybe that takes us as teachers taking a step back and saying, hey, I noticed this. Like, how could I help? Or what could I do to be a better teacher for you? What do you need from me?
3: I think one of those opportunities that we practiced early, even in this podcast, was uh, the the trigger uh, warning that we did at yeah. the beginning. So certainly, we think about practices in our classrooms if we're going to have tough conversations or conversations that we think that are going to maybe impact uh, the emotional status of our students. Having not only those warnings, but I think there's probably other practices that go along with that that we could uh, share with teachers as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think in particular, like talking as we as we talk about some of the, the historical um, origins of what you know we now know as production agriculture in the United States, there are a lot of um, really horrible and and terrible things associated with kind of the foundations of how agriculture started. Um, be that from the lens of um, of uh, slavery and the experiences of black enslaved Black people in the United States or of indigenous people and the genocide they experienced. Like those types of things are important for us as teachers to notice, but also not shy away from too. Like it is something that is important for us to talk about as well, but giving giving the space to, to say that, yes, this is something that can potentially be triggering um, and that students, we... I, I guess this uh, is kind of a, another approach for us to think about is uh you know when we talk about safety in classrooms like shop like oh yeah here's the exits here's the fire exit I think it's important just for students to know in general how how can I exit whether that's uh, a means of de-escalating um what, like having a space in the classroom for students to go and just take take a seat and step aside or you know for some of my students I just say like hey Like, you just give me the thumbs up because you need to take a lap around the the school, fine, and come back because there's adrenaline pumping. Students that experience chronic stress always, uh, not not to say generalizing, but many times have lots of adrenaline just constantly pulsing through their veins because their body is just used to being on defense. And so if we can give them an outlet or an exit, um, the opportunity to, to opt out potentially from some different learning experiences, because let's be honest again, a stressed brain cannot learn. So that would potentially be just re-traumatizing for the student, not learning for the student.
0: So Kirby, again, thanks for bringing this conversation to us. And so I'm thinking as a, if I'm a classroom teacher, and what, what is some ideas? Like I, I've recognized something that I think I need to have a conversation with the student about. This is not, we're not, and we're not talking about the mandated reporter stuff, the stuff that's very right. clear, but you noticed, you've you recognized following our steps, you've recognized something, yep. but I need some coaching as that teacher. How do I engage in that conversation with the student that is supportive, but also appropriate to the student? And I know that's a lot of generalizations in there, but can, yeah. what kind of tips can you give me
2: to help engage in that conversation? Well, I'll I'll start out with one phrase that, that is, I I love to use, so I'll share it with you, is um, when students share something with us or we notice things, well, first off, I just like to begin with, I noticed, and not try to fill in the blanks. I just like to say like, I noticed, could you tell me more or is everything okay? Has something happened? And then let them go with it. Um, And then if they choose to share whatever they share, it's like, you know what? I don't understand what that's like. But I'm so glad you told me and I want you to know that I care. I know that oftentimes I would try so hard to fix things for my students and be the one that provided all of this advice and like I'm going to solve it. Like, that's not my job, actually, because if I begin with the, the idea of I don't understand, that is the most accurate thing. I I should not be trying to compare apples to oranges. If a student is experiencing depression, right? That's not something that we would report, but it's something that is adversely impacting the student. And perhaps we have our own um, experiences with mental health, but to say that, oh yeah, like I've been depressed too, like, but, but we have different stories. We have different experiences. So just say like, hey, you know what? I don't understand what that's like, but I'm so glad you told me. And I want you to know that I care. And then also, I, I think it's important for us to, um, this this is a shout out to an author named Bob Goff. My goodness, he has this idea of with it of, of just simply being. And so I think sometimes in order for us to truly see our students, we have to allow them to be. And that means us being quiet, listening, um, and, and just listening carefully what they say. But I mean, Right. So, so like, but what do we do with this? Like, yes, we can have this conversation. I think it's also totally appropriate and definitely necessary to, to know that. Yeah. This is not our role to be counseling them and giving advice, like asking like questions. Um, like, how would you feel? Um, you know, have you shared this with anyone else? Would you feel comfortable sharing them with someone else? I have some resources. Would you like to know about them? And giving students or even listing like, I have a couple ideas of things that might be able to, you know, maybe that's visiting with a counselor or like something like, I'm I'm concerned for you. And um, I, I, I want to be able to help. But like giving students choice, like leaving leaving the door open to show that you care about them ultimately, and that you want to be that responsible adult that's that is going to be there for them in this moment, but but to say also. Like we gotta recognize, yeah, there is a line where we're not. Again, we're not the psychologist, we're not the counselor. Um, so, yeah, and 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 it is hard. It really is. I I still don't have it figured out, but I, but I know especially within this last year, throughout the pandemic, um, communicating with college students because this is not exclusive to teaching high school. I think if we are more trauma informed with every single person we meet, we are going to transform the relationships and the kind of connections we have with people. I truly do. If we just started asking ourselves more of these types of questions, responding these ways, we we could have so much of a, a better society um, as a whole and not just better schools.
0: Well that's so helpful to, to think for. And I think that idea of beginning the conversation with I noticed mm. is 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 so important. And I, you know, I find that very helpful and hopefully so, a lot of the teachers listening to as well is because we, we see these things and we've noticed those things. It's like, how do I actually engage? And that that those tips are very helpful. So thanks for sharing.
2: I, and I want to add one thing about that, you know, the noticing thing is um, maybe some of us have heard of the the two by 10 rule. We you think about students where, maybe the student that gives us a little bit of a, a more challenging time, the two by 10 rules is for two minutes for 10 days, we have a positive interaction with that student. And I encourage us kind of from a strengths-based lens to even think about that from a two by 10 rule of, what are two things that this student has done that shows a strength of theirs that that or, or reflects something that is good as a part of their inner wealth and focusing on the good. So going back to the idea of pouncing on it, it, it does us well to write those things down. So I would have a <laughs> I had a notebook and sometimes my students would be like, what are you writing? And I'm like, oh, I just noticed something really good and I had to write it down. I don't tell them what it is. I just like, if I just, I noticed that I just had to write it down. I don't want to forget this. It's good fuel for later.
1: Absolutely. Um, Kirby, we are coming up on time, but our topic today was when teaching hurts. And so we've talked a lot about the student side of things and helping yeah. our students. Do you have some resources and advice for your teachers out there who are really feeling the weight of the secondary traumatic stress and the compassion fatigue that we've been chatting about today?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, teachers, I hear you and I'm with you. Um, this isn't easy. Um, and it's definitely something that I was not prepared for. And, and I, as I think about it more, I think one thing is to kind of recognize Again, as much as this trauma informed lens of saying, you know, switching from asking what's wrong with students towards what's happening to students, we need to show that inner compassion towards ourselves and recognize like there's nothing wrong with us. There's things maybe that have happened to us too. Um, I know personally that that was something that when getting back into the classroom, I recognized some of my own childhood adversities pop up and I was reminded of it by my students and so i think it's first important just to 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 know those things and recognize them so much as we 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 realize and recognize our students we got to realize and recognize it within ourselves now what do i do with this um, there's there's there is not a, a uh, silver bullet there is not a perfect answer to this because it, we all have our own different things that that might be necessary for some of us it might be scheduling time to go out and just get the energy out of exercising it might be going out and taking a long drive It might be taking time to listen to podcasts, uh, writing, reading. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of exercising. It might mean connecting with a therapist. That's something I've done Um, and it's okay. It's a a good thing. It's a healthy thing to do. Um, If your school is able to provide those services, uh, definitely like reach out and see, but mental health services aren't always the thing that schools prioritize for teachers. And so this is a place where we really got to advocate for ourselves. And so I I encourage every teacher out there to find yourself uh, just a solid, critical friend that is a teacher, especially potentially a teacher in your school, that you can just sit down and you can talk about all the things. I am so thankful for my colleague um, back at the high school I taught at because, uh, I mean, when I... I remember going to NAAE in 20 uh, was it 2019, and we hadn't seen each other for a year because I just came out to Oregon, and we first met. Uh, yeah, we 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 connected and got lunch, and we sat and talked for four hours about all all the stuff and all the things, uh, the good and wonderful things, but also the stuff that also was on our minds because there were things that were that was on their mind too and hadn't had a chance to talk to someone about. So I think it's really important we find a critical friend. Um, and there are there are lots of books and, and things out there. I, I think there's a something that was recently just posted about um, mindfulness and self-care strategies for teachers. I'm not a mindfulness person. I'm not an expert on teacher self-care. Um, and so I, I do think that there is a little bit of work we still have to do for ourselves, unfortunately, right? Like it shouldn't have to be this way, but it is. And so knowing that this is what we are, facing, we do have to then take some steps. So find find that outlet for yourself. Get therapy if you need so. Find a critical teaching friend.
1: Thanks, Kirby, for that um, really practical advice as far as folks who were nodding along as you were talking today. But thank you also for taking the time to chat with us today. Just recognizing that all of us have the things that trauma is something that is very present across the board. Um, It's not something that we're going to get rid of as teachers, but there are strategies available. We're not alone in managing the the trauma of our students or that secondary traumatic stress that we might be feeling um, as we process trauma with our students. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for tackling this research and this conversation, Um, and we are looking forward to the potential to talk to you again in the future.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for holding the space for this. I really appreciate it.
1: We hope
0: you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. Tips for Ag Teachers.